Blog Talk Radio. Black Hole Radio presents Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. With your hosts, Rudolph Muhammad and Yusuf Muhammad. There's a train of coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the dealer calling. Don't need no ticket. You just thank the Lord. Train to Jordan Picking up passengers Coast to coast Faith is the key Over the doors and bottom Blessings, peace and blessings. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has brought us thus far along the way, thou who has by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever on the path we pray. Uh, Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another weekly edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, the program that needs you to survive. Today we want to pick up where we left off. The last time we were live, we were blessed to uh, have as our guest Brother Chief William Spike Jones out of the St. Louis Fire Department who just penned a book entitled The Fire Within. And, of course, we were overjoyed to be able to interview him and speak about the significance of our history. And, you know, those who don't learn the lessons from history, as they say, are doomed to repeat it. And so by this being a month where many black folk uh, are giving it an extra effort to tell our story, 
we here on Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness want to do the same. And, you know, don't think that history is just dates and numbers. History is also circumstances. And guess what? History is not just last week, last year, last decade, last century, last millennium. History is time immemorial, but history is also as we speak. And as we speak, there's still an attack on uh, many institutions not wanting our children to hear our story, whether it's in daycare, depending on where you send your children for school, or even what they call the higher institutions, the halls of academia, if you will, where there are attacks on what was called uh I guess, advanced placement courses, but you can actually call them advanced displacement courses. And right. so why, why, why is it? Well, we, we, we know. If, if you're awake, you should know why these school systems, these governments who are run by corporations don't want our children to know anything about the movement of blacks before we were brought here against our will. We didn't come on the Nina, the Pinto, or the Santa Maria. We didn't come on the Mayflower. Don't get it twisted. It's no right. accident why these corporations want us to remove terms like institutional racism, structural racism, systematic racism. I mean, it's such a fear that it's such a a campaign, they don't even want you to say words like prison industrial complex or mass incarceration. Well, there's been a deliberate effort from the school systems that pipeline to mass incarceration. It's almost like the new segregation, if, in fact, you know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to get out your way. I just want to give honor and praise to the Most High God. I want to welcome our listeners with the greeting words of peace and paradise. We say it in our original language, assalamu alaikum, uh, which means peace be unto you. Thank you, Brother Rudolph. And we want to welcome, welcome, welcome our first-time guests, and we want to welcome, welcome, welcome our consistent and constant listeners to Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness, a weekly program that comes to you every week on Blog Talk Radio from 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Shout out to our engineers of Black Hole Radio and those who may have logged on to Blog Talk Radio forward slash Black Hole Radio, hole spelled W-H-O-L-E forward slash D-A. CP. So, anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome. Let me get out of your way. Of all of our studies, history is best qualified and most attractive to reward our research. And who will take us and segue into the rest of today's program is my brother, our brother, our dear co-host, Brother Rudolph T. Muhammad. Floor is yours, sir. Thank you, Brother Yusuf. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears. Thou who has brought us this far on the way. Thou who has led by thy might. Let us into the light. Keep us forever 
in the path we pray. Beginning all things in the name of the Most High God, that one that is responsible for all that was, is, and ever will be. The I am that I am, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the grand architect of the universe. He's go, he know he's known by many titles and names throughout the planet. We call him Allah, the all in all. But whatever you call him, just call him. As long as you acknowledge the presence of something greater than you or I, that's the one that we're talking about. So we thank it, almighty God Allah, for allowing us another day in his wonderful creation called life. We thank Allah for appearing to us in the person of Master Fard Muhammad. We thank him for raising the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. And we thank both of them for blessing, keeping, and guiding our big brother, the champion of truth, justice, and no comics, the honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. In those three great names, we greet the family of Muhammad, the well-wishers of Muhammad, the supporters of Muhammad, and we even greet the detractors of Muhammad. And we say to you, I salam alaikum. Oh, alaikum salam, sir. Thank you, sir. That means peace be unto you. We want you to know, You do not have to fear anything coming from our hands or our mouth because our intention is not to aggress you. Our intention is to inspire, enlighten, and uplift you with education, with truth, with actual facts that we may, um, how would you say, embolden, um, we may build on, we may enhance the analytical data that you have thus far and just add some yeast to it so it will grow so that It will help you to understand in this day and time and remember what we forgot. And the reason I say forgot is because there's nothing new under the sun. And all that happened before, we knew at one time, but because we were hitting the head and taking on a westerly course and buried in a shallow grave, we forgot that which we did prior to this dispensation of time. So, with all of that being said, Black History Month, yes, we get a whole 28 days to honor those who we stand on their shoulders. And we're going to use every one of those 20 
eight days to do it. We know that black history is world history. And you can't right. have history without black history. There's not a time in memoriam that we were not present on this planet. Therefore, it's all history. So, we know usually this month the usual cast of characters is always out there, and we're not taking anything from them. That's right. But as I said, we're not going to deal with the usual cast of characters today because you can research that on your own. You can close your eyes, and you can name 10 celebrated heroes from our family. And whether it's Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Mega Evers, uh, 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 um, George Washington Carver, or, you know, Mary McLeod Bethune, Rosa mm-hmm. Parks. You know, the ones that we normally live on. But today we want to talk about some heroes, some unsung heroes, some local heroes who made just as much of an effect but, again, because we are not the authors of our own history, we don't really get to sing their praises and fully give them the honor that's due. So we're going to just mention a few of them this week. And you know when you come, Brother Yusuf, I have to stop, and I need you to Give them the rules of engagement. Yes, because, sir, Brother Rudolph. Go ahead. Yes, because we get ready to um, inundate them with some truth, justice, and no comments. Brother Yusuf. Yes, sir, Brother Rudolph. Thank you for that opening. The rules of engagement, brothers and sisters, are just to pay attention. If you have any device that you can record, the information that we're sharing as we honor those on whose shoulders we stand and on whose wings we fly, we will probably be mentioning names that you're not familiar with, but in the profession and field of uh, the fire service, emergency management, emergency medical services, they're well respected for what they did in their contribution that's right. And we must say that if they're elders and or ancestors, these people that we'll be naming, we can bear witness, gave credit to those who came before them. And so whether you're making history as we speak on today's program, the rules of engagement is just to listen and to record that which God is revealing to you that you need for your life. Again, when you talk about disaster awareness for community preparedness and the history of it, well, today is a day that, you know, you can ask yourself or, again, you can call in and ask us or any of those who may call in. Many of our callers in are subject matter experts themselves. And so they'll be calling in to share, you know, on whose shoulders they stood. 
today um, I had a conversation with many black firefighters, including Chief William Spike Jones, Chief David Washington, who listens on a regular basis, who's the CEO of the Dr. Carl Holmes Executive Development Institute, yeah. Campus of Dillard University, former president James Hill out of Dallas, Addington Stewart out of St. Louis, Johnny Brewington out of Cleveland, Ohio, who shared an in-depth history of the brothers on whose shoulders he stood and stands. Yes, and sir. so we want you to take this opportunity just to listen because, again, whether you're talking about dates today, last week, last month, last year, last decade, last millennium, last century, we can tell you that just a two, two days ago, the mayor of New York City, I believe his name is Eric Adams. Yes, sir. Just just swore in the Vulcan Society of New York's first executive board. Our dear sister, Sister Regina Wilson, That's once again right. the president of the Vulcan Society. That's right, a black woman. That's right. An organization of majority charge. black men. But she's right. more than capable to do the job. I'll also be moving toward Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, where the progressive firefighters of Washington, D.C. will be honoring Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton, former Chief Ray yeah. Alfred, former president of the International Association of Black Professional Firefighters, Ted Holmes, Romeo Spaulding, who I had the pleasure of speaking with earlier today. He may even call in because yes, the other sir. ancestors that we're going to highlight, he knew them personally, and he's wow. just a wealth of knowledge. Also on that panel will be our dear sister Chief Tiffany Wesley out of Northern Virginia. That's right. The sisters are doing their thing, what they've been born to do. If you just give them, as we said, just give us the opportunity. James Brown said, you know, uh, just open up the door. We'll get it ourselves. But, you know, <laughs> right. each one has to teach one. So that's the rule of engagement. It's nothing, it's not, it's not rocket science. But I want to lay as a, a base, if you will, I was going through my archives and ran across an article I wrote at the turn of this millennium, and I entitled it A Heaven of a Hero. So whoever name you hear today, we're saying <laughs> we know that God blessed them to become a heaven of a hero. Right. And this is how it reads. This February, we enter into the first Black History Month, quote, unquote, of the new millennium. It is imperative we teach our children about the heroes and sheroes that have made a valuable contribution toward the elevation of a high civilization. The standard of excellence exhibited oftentimes against what appears to be insurmountable odds. Thanks to many historians, documentarians, writing, writers, and others, 
we have been able to learn of the trials of Africans in America, the enslaved African, the abolitionist movement, blacks fighting in America's wars, the civil rights movement, breakthroughs in the sports, arts, and entertainment world are but some of our greatest accomplishments by God's grace. Not just in American history, but these monumental events have impacted all humanity the world over. Reverend Jesse Jackson, Michael Jordan, Fallon Powell, Colin Powell, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, Michael Jackson, and Muhammad Ali are recognized throughout this planet. They are the beneficiaries of a legacy of mothers who produce those on whose shoulders we stand. And for that, we should all be grateful. Although our children have more literature, audio and video footage to study than any other generation, we are still challenged daily to teach them continuity and the reasons why, to connect the past to the present, and to get them to see how it will affect the future. One might consider identifying a profession with which they are familiar. They probably do not have a clue regarding the sacrifice of many that have made what we see a reality. The history of the black firefighter in America is both a prime example of unsung devotion to public service and a model that many youth admire and desire to emulate. Thus, the men and women who are black in a blue uniform in our community are viewed as, quote, a heaven of a hero, unquote. I have much more written, but I'm going to fall back and let Brother Rudolph uh, uh, share what he heard and the significance of why we're doing this program today. Brother Rudolph? Yes, sir. Thank you, Brother Yusuf. And we're going to get right to it. Um, The first black commissioner of the New York City Fire Department, Robert O'Lowry. He was also president of the Vulcan Society. He served for seven years. He was appointed by Mayor John V. Lindsay. So this is recent history. This isn't even that far back. This is in our lifetime. Well, some of our lifetime, or just slightly before. Now, again, he was, I believe, the first president of the society, And then he was um, relieved, let's say it that way, by retired Captain Vincent W. Julius, who was a World War II veteran and an Army sergeant. He was captain of Ladder 112 in Bushwick in the late 70s during the period of the, uh, what they call them, the the wars. That, that's all the riots that were in New York City. Some of us that were alive then remember that, where people were burning trash in the streets, throwing garbage out of the windows. Um, there was a sanitation strike. Uh, you know, all of these things were going on during that time. 
when he was the captain of 112 in Bushwick. Um, his brother, Reginald Julius, was also a World War II veteran, a veteran of the United States Navy, and both of them, after World War II, came back to their neighborhood and became firefighters. And at that time, Brother Yusuf, they joined when blacks only numbered about 50 out of 6,000. Mm-hmm. Captain Vincent Julius was profiled in a book in 2002, and the title of that book is So Others Might Live. Mm-hmm. In 1963, Ca- Captain Julius got the UFOA, that's the Uniform Fire Officers Association. Now, we know that's them. That's not us. He got them to write a resolution condemning the use of fire hoses on civilians and especially children during the civil rights struggle. They wrote it, and they took it before their membership, and their membership, of course, voted it down, but that didn't stop him. He... Uh, made such a compelling argument and stood so firm on it that they passed it anyway. Mm -hmm. He succeeded Robert O'Lowry as president of the society, and he was instrumental in purchasing the society's current headquarters on Eastern Parkway in the, uh, um, what do they call it, um, the metropolis of Brooklyn. <laughs> That's right. He was also a co-founder. The, the Republic of, of Brooklyn, the, brother, the Republic People's Republic. Oh, the yeah, Republic the of Republic. Brooklyn. All right. All right. The Republic of Brooklyn. He was also a co-founder of the International Association of Black Professional Firefighters in 1969. So now that's two right there the first black commissioner, and Captain Vincent Julius. That's two. William H. Nicholson, he was inducted into the New York City Fire Department on January 18, 1898. Now, prior to that, he was already working in the Brooklyn and Queens fire department. But this is when they had, you know, a revolution um, and the New York City fire department, you know, kind of took over under that umbrella, under that name. But now what you also have to remember is this is historic because this is right after the 1896 Plessy versus Ferguson uh, court case, separate but equal. And this is under the governor, Theodore Roosevelt. So employment opportunities for blacks slowly started to expand at that point. And they're still slowly expanding. Now, that, so he is dubbed as the first black firefighter. 
according to history. Again, remember that's 1898. And what he really was, he wasn't even really a firefighter. He was a black man that was hired to groom and feed the horses and, of course, to shovel up the manure, at, at, you know, behind them. But he was in the department, and he did attain the title of firefighter. So he kicked open the door for the next crew to come through. Then, of course, you have the Vulcan Society of New York, which was established in 1940. The late battalion chief, Wesley Augustus Williams, who was also instrumental in establishing the guardians of the New York Police Department. Mm. Both of these were fraternal organizations uh, that um, it was about camaraderie and it was to monitor and eliminate discrimination in the fire department as well as the police department. The Vulcan Society provides education and training for prospective fire candidates as well as giving financial aid to its members and their children who attend institutions of higher learning. Now, Brother Yusuf can give you a a better, deeper, more full um, history of the Vulcan Society, as well as some of the brothers that are going to come on this line before we sign off. But these are just some of the um, unsung heroes who paved the way Four brothers like Brother Yusuf That's and right. Sister Regina That's and, right. you know, and Ella McNair. Who can forget her? That's right. Now, Ella, I know personally. I grew up with Ella in New Mount Zion Baptist Church on Gates Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Ella and my oldest sister and oldest brother, they were in the same age range. They grew up, but I was right up under. So for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Google Ella McNair and see who she is, not who she was, who she is. And then, so now these are some of the unsung heroes of the fire service of the city of New York. And then let's move it over now to the EMS side, where you have one the, the first school-graduated corpsman, that's the person who rode in the vehicle as the medic, and this is in the late 60s. See, because remember, EMS as a service is not that old. 
It's not even a hundred years yet. So in the late 60s, 68, 69, early 70s, this gentleman who was a um, MP in the United States Army, who was one of the first blacks to patrol um, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, as well as JFK's tomb. Eighteen years old, and he's a military police officer. He comes back home and, like I said, goes to LIU, Long Island University, and takes the physician associates program and passes it under then Dr. Casey and decided once he finished, he didn't like it. So he voluntarily went back to the ambulance division. Back then it was called the Department of Hospitals, not EMS. And historically, the Department of Hospitals ran ambulances, and the ambulances were staffed with our black and Latino brothers who, for whatever the reason, they dubbed them as being troublemakers in the hospital on the wards so they would have them ride on the ambulances. Back then the slogan was, you call, we haul. But again, him being one of the first school graduates, he dared to put some of that education to use. So he would actually start using the stethoscope that was around his neck and taking blood pressures and listening to lung sounds and actually treating people rather than just picking them up, carrying them to the hospital, dropping them off. And, of course, he was ostracized for that by his own as well as the others. This goes on later on. Some years go by. The name changes from ambulance attendant to corpsman, changes to, from MVO or motor vehicle operator. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they get civil service status in the early 70s. He begins training people who are coming on to the job in droves now because there's a little civil service title, there's some stature to it now, and there's some more money. So now people are coming from the outer lying areas of New York City into the boroughs, the five boroughs, to do this these jobs. And so, of course, the complexion of the job changed overnight. And he was the one that was training these people that would come in and who now would become his bosses overnight. Imagine that. 
His name was James Robinson. They called him Rocky affectionately. Back then, he was many things. I told you he was a a military police officer. He was also a DJ in the neighborhood. He had a nightclub on Kosciuszko Street and what was then called Utica Avenue. He would set up, he had a record shop slash nightclub. And he would set up his turntables and his speakers and he would play his music and quiet as his cap. And some people in the, those that are older in the hip hop uh, era and industry and arena, they know that it was Rocky who started scratching records in 1968 and 69. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there, and you take it um, uh, uh, for what it's worth. Melly Mel of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five is one of those that used to carry the crates with the records for James Rocky Robinson back then along with Grandmaster Zach and the Disco Kid. This is just some of the history that comes out of Bedside Brooklyn. But we're not getting into that debate right now. We're talking about the heroes of the fire service and EMS. Why is he a, with all of that, is he a hero of EMS? Because as the years go on, he would stand to be a, 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 a loud voice for change in the then EMS system as well as almost single-handedly he would go up against the machine. He wrote a book that was entitled Please Don't Die back in the 70s where he named names of people higher up in the EMS world who were doing certain things, much like Serpico and the commission back then, you know, exposing the corruptness in the New York City EMS system. Now it's time for promotion. Of course, they pass him up. But because it's civil service, they have to take a test. So he takes his test for lieutenant. And although he passes and scores so high, he's a, a few numbers away from the top of the list. They refuse to honor his score and give him his lieutenant's bars. So now he has to take them to court with the Human Rights Commission. He won his case and got his bars as a lieutenant. So what do they do now? Now they start shipping him out of the community because he's 
standing up for justice in the community. He's walking the streets in his uniform, and as he sees atrocities that happen where people are calling for ambulances and ambulances aren't coming for 30, 40, 50 minutes, almost an hour. So he decides to start an organization of volunteers in a black community in Bedside, Brooklyn. Now, this wasn't really an um, a unheard of phenomenon because all of the other communities outside of the five boroughs had volunteer ambulance services. But because this one was the first one owned and operated by people of color, of course, it did not sit well with the powers that be. His partner, a Puerto Rican brother by the name of Joseph Perez, they decided one Saturday morning, July 15, 1988, after we got off of a Long midnight shift, 1 a.m. to 9 a.m., to start a volunteer ambulance corps in the middle of the neighborhood on the corner of Marcus Garvey used to be Sumner Avenue and Green Avenue. There was an abandoned building, and across the street from the abandoned building was a, a vacant lot that had two sheds in it that they would sell drugs out of. They would strip cars. So we went up in the abandoned building and cleaned out the front room by the window because there was no electricity, so we could only operate during daylight hours. And that's where the Bedside Volunteer Ambulance Corps started. And there was a group of eight people, and we call them affectionately the Magnificent Eight, that start, that he recruited that started with him. Raymond Johnson, in no particular order, Raymond Johnson, may God be pleased with him and thank him for his service, who worked for the New York City Transit Authority, Deborah Crawford, who was the vice president of the organization at that time. She was a a mother on welfare at that time. Of course, there was James Robinson and Joe Perez. That was myself. Tim Sutton, who is a physician's assistant in New York City, who always wanted to become a doctor, but as he said, he didn't have the cash, and so he didn't know how he was going to achieve his dream, but by volunteering with the Bedside Volunteer Ambulance Corps, someone made it possible for him to get the funds necessary so that he could achieve his lifelong dream. 
Then, then there was Dorothy Harris, who was a mother in the community, and she brought her children with her to the ambulance corps. May God be pleased with her and her service. That's right. And these are the eight that stood on the wall in the Bedford-Stuyvesant community and decided that we weren't going to allow our people to die in the street anymore waiting on an ambulance. We were going to be the ambulance for our community. Now, that sounds good, but you know how we are, how our people are. Hell, they made up a rap about the Bedside Volunteer Ambulance Corps. Well, we were at one point known as the Ambulance Corps without an ambulance Mm. because we started running on calls with trauma bags on our back and listening to Radio Shack scanners, and we would get there and be out of breath, and all we could do was sit there with the person that was laying in the street and just keep them alive until the ambulance got there at first. When we got our first ambulance, it didn't even run. We just parked it in front of the location, and it just sat there. Then when we did get a running ambulance, we would get on the scene and respond, and we would get there to the patient and Everybody would be out on the block, and they'd hear us coming down the block, and we'd come down there, and they'd start the song, Bedside, Bedside, Raggedy. You could save him, but you can't save me. And they would start dying laughing and laugh, just about laugh us off the block. Every time we would leave, he would send us right back. And over time, we won over the people in the neighborhood because what they noticed was, Everybody was laughing except the person that was lying in the street waiting on the help. And so the Bedside Volunteer Ambulance Corps was an integral part of changing the climate and the color of the New York City Fire Department over the right. years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> over half. Over half of the EMTs of color in the New York that belonged to EMS in the New York City Fire Department came through the Bedford-Stuyvesant Volunteer Ambulance Corps. And then a young man who heard Commander Robinson speak at a community meeting one night, he was sitting in the audience at Boys and Girls High School, came up to him afterwards and asked him how could he become an EMT. And he went through the training, became an EMT, then became a paramedic. Then he opened up a school. His name was Clyde Seeley. Another half of the other of the next half of people of color that came through came through Clyde Seeley. May God be pleased with him. I mean and then There were two other brothers in particular that I'm going to speak of, and then I'm going to shut this down and turn it back over to you, Brother Yusuf. One's name was 
Linwood Terry Smith. He was a paramedic. And for those of you in New York, historians of New York, you may remember the name Bridget Gurney. She was a lady that a, a crane in midtown Manhattan had fallen on one day, and it was Terry Smith that climbed, crawled under the crane to start IVs on the lady to give her fluids to keep her alive while they hoist crane off of her and get her to Bellevue Hospital, I believe, to reattach her arms. The other paramedic was a man named Selwyn Ken Olabachi, who ran the EMT training school in Queens. He came back from Vietnam where he was a medic and he became a paramedic in the New York City EMS system. And he became an instructor and started teaching in the New York City area, particularly in Queens. In the early onset of the Bedside Volunteer Ambulance Corps, both of these men, Terry Smith and Mr. Ken Olavachi, were our first instructors that led the charge to teach our first couple of EMT courses. And I know it for a fact because that's where I learned to become an EMT instructor under both of these. Then later on, we got a school, uh, we got into a school, CADC on the corner of Nostrand and Park Avenue. And Mr. Artie Lester of the New York City EMS Bureau, who worked as a paramedic under my father at the time, out of Woodhall Hospital, he took over as the instructor, and there was a brother that worked with him, Theodore Goodman, Goody, as we call him. He started working with uh, Artie Lester and became an instructor. So these are just some of the unsung heroes that are local in our community that deserve just as much honor and praise as the big names that we normally, but most people don't know about it. So I just felt compelled, Brother Yusuf, to get that information out. Oh, brother Rudolph, that's beautiful, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you for raising those names and the beauty of uh, this time that we're living in is being recorded. And so I pray that the ancestors and the elders are pleased. In fact, when you talked about, you know for a fact that what you said about those people, because you lived with them, you worked with them, you were a student under their tutelage as I was under Vincent W. Julius that you spoke about the history before. And, you know, brothers and sisters, in our tradition, there's a a well-recognized and noble position in our community 
back in the motherland, you might hear the word griot or griot, yeah. meaning an oral historian. But Brother Vincent Julius could also write the history, as you talked about that document he sent to the Union to, to, to have them, uh, to force them with his uh, 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 intestinal fortitude, if you will, that yes, they would sir. agree that the Civil Rights Movement was something that needed to be recognized. And when I spoke with him, I asked him, I said, Brother Julius, what was the catalyst? to get you to want to organize on the level that you did. He said it was the killing of Emmett Till that sparked him wow. as well as so many other black people in America, you see, to, to, to at that point he said he wanted to know where the other black firefighters, he and others there in New York, where were the other black firefighters in the country at that time? which was, of course, Emmett Till was 1955, I believe, 54, 55, his assassination, his murder. And so, you know, I too stand on his shoulders. You know, one time I was talking to him, Brother Rudolph, and uh, after he got off, we got off the phone. He said, Brother, I'm going to email you some information relative to what we're talking about. And at the end of his email, he ended it with this quote, and I quote, To peer into the dark tunnel of history is valueless unless the insight gained is used to light a torch to illuminate one's path into the future, quote, unquote. Wow. I'm like I'm like I'm like, yo, did he get this from Shakespeare or did he get this right. from Dr. King? Right. <laughs> I had to I was compelled to call him back. I said I said I said, Brother Julius, so uh, you, you you that quote, man, where'd you get that from? He said, Brother, I wrote it. And I'm just saying that to say, brother, this these are brilliant men. Yes, sir. These are brilliant men with courage who stood with conviction that here we are today talking about their contributions. Again, his quote was, to peer into the dark tunnel of history is valueless unless the insight gain is used to light a torch to illuminate one's path into the future. And so it's critically Mm. important as he was instrumental and along the line, I, I filled out an application and the rest is history that God blessed me to put 30 years in to feed right. my family and That's to do right. other things. And I didn't know this man at that time when I filled out that application. But what these elders, these ancestors wanted us to understand, regardless of the circumstance, the struggle, You have to fight to get what you want. You have to be convicted in order to bring on that younger generation. That's right. I bear witness. Yeah, and so do I. And so I'm going to pick up where I left off because one of Brother Vincent Julius's partners was a brother by the name of John Ruffins, who also retired as a captain of New York and it was their conversation 
that wanted to turn what they had experienced in the Vulcan society to see if brothers at that time around the country were experiencing the same. So according this article that I wrote at the beginning of the millennium entitled The Heaven of a Hero, according to retired captain of the Fire Department of New York, John Ruffins, the heritage of blacks in the fire service in America dates back to the 17th and 18th centuries. Men willing to risk their lives to save the lives and property of those they served. Many departments during this period had exclusively all-black companies, firehouses in parentheses. Because of the racial climate in the country, although fire is (laughs) non-discriminatory, the assignments of the brothers were based on prejudice. The standard operating procedure of the day was separate and unequal. This treatment never inhibited the enthusiasm of these heroes from heaven. Even though they were ostracized politically, they consistently remained effective, efficient, and out of necessity were more comfortable collaborating amongst themselves anyway. Most departments were considered volunteer at the time. However, these men were regarded as noble and of an upper class in the eyes of their peers. There was significant advancement by a few in the following century, yet it was deliberately kept isolated by local municipalities. Imagine the pressure and the will to endure. The integrating into the mainstream began around 1950s. The black professional firefighter was determined to meet and overcome all obstacles in their path. And there were many forced to sleep alone with one eye open, eating alone, and sometimes assigned at a scene of a fire alone, a tactic unheard of in this dangerous occupation. Feces and urine put on their uniform, referred to as nigger, and forget about drinking the coffee. In spite of this mean-spirited treatment, they had to go beyond the call of duty just to be evaluated as mediocre. Don't think for one moment these heroes from heaven weren't involved in strategic planning while fighting for generations yet unborn. The hell they were experiencing wasn't unlike most Negroes in the United States during this era. Through it all, they remain men of color helping all. The valiant strides made in the name of equality have yet to get its fair due. One personality worthy of mentioning is Chief Wesley Williams of the Fire Department of New York. That's right. A man of impeccable integrity. Chief Williams was well-respected in his community amongst his professional colleagues and even influenced his enemies. He blazed who he needed to and extinguished the rest. A template for youth 
combining brain and brawn. He was also a prominent figure at the Harlem YMCA. Chief Williams was the first black firefighter to have a street named after him in his honor, 135th Street in Harlem between Malcolm X Boulevard and Adam Clayton Powell Boulevard. His son, Charles Ford Williams, has also written a book. I think that's his nephew. I put his son. His nephew has also written a book of his life's journey entitled The Chief. Chief Wesley Williams was truly a heaven of a hero. So I can put a point in it because we're at the top of the hour, and I can pick back up when necessary, but I know many of you might be saying, well, what's this have to do with disaster awareness for community preparedness? Well, if you don't know your history, if you don't know the direction you're going, then any road will take you there. You hear the history of of uh, the Bed-Stuy Volunteer Ambulance Corps. That's rich history. Rich, rich, rich. And Brother Rudolph was blessed to be able to touch those heroes from heaven, male and female. You see, when you talk about EMS, and Brother Rudolph's certainly much more capable of talking about it, two things I always remembered was LOC and ABC. So LOC stands for level of consciousness. Right. If you don't have any clue of where you came from, your level of consciousness is tainted. You know that, right? And it impacts on what you can even do for yourself, not knowing if you're a heavenly hero, you're a God. There's nothing that God can't do by his grace and mercy. The richness of the history and the ABC is airway, breathing, circulation. How can you breathe if you don't know your history for real, for real? How's your airway? You don't breathe with no air. (laughs) Exactly. And what about the circulation? Come on, man. Without the blood of the history, the circulation, I mean, (laughs) Brother, Brother Rudolph is much more versed in Scripture than me. But we do know that we all going to meet the inevitable rendezvous with destiny, and we all have heard the preacher say, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, from labor to reward. Look, if you don't know your history, don't have no air to breathe, and your circulation stagnant, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Well, I'm going to fall back and let Brother Rudolph Take us further, and I'll pick back up. Praise be to Allah. Go ahead, Brother Rudolph. Well, I, I, I'm going to take up from you now, Brother Yusuf, because, you know, music is the soundtrack to our lives. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you, can't, if you can see, if you can solve the mystery, the answer revolves around your history. So carefully, we drop this degree, scientifically and realistically. Man, don't get me started. Black history. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Those are the words of the God, Rakim. That's right. You know? But they're so eloquent 
and they fit like a glove for them. How? How in the heck can you go forward if you don't know where you're coming from? How can you go how can you achieve anything without a foundation to stand on? You don't use that foundation to 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 bolster you with the actual facts, the truth, the knowledge of the past, you're doomed. You don't have a future. Mm-hmm. Scripture says, and, and, and it's not, again, this is Brother Rudolph talking. I'm not trying to quote it because I'm not an ecclesiastical being. I'm your brother from the project. But the scripture says, when there's Because if you can't see, <laughs> so when they, you know, try to make us think that our brother, Dr. King, was just a man that was asleep for all those years having a dream, he wasn't a man with a dream. He was a man with a vision. And because right. of his vision... He inspired millions to follow his vision. And because of that, things got done. The people he inspired, because he had the intestinal fortitude to step out on his vision, then you had groups like the Deacons for Defense who said, Mm -hmm. you may be, nonviolent and willing to march. But what we're going to do is we're going to strap up and load up these guns and we're going to protect y'all. And that Mm -hmm. they did. For those of you who don't know, the Deacons for Defense were a group of military black men who were veterans of the United States military. And in their own right, marksmen, killers, because that's what they were trained to be by this country. So when they finally got released, they came home and put their training back to use in the war at home. So they left the war overseas and came back to the war at home. This is all the history of our sojourn here in America. We have the most violent history of any people that have come to the shores of of the Americas. No group of people has been violated worse, savagely treated worse, disrespected worse than the black man and the black woman and others that have come and have benefited 
by the things that are here. That's right. Are benefiting because of the sacrifices made by the black man and the black woman. So let's just get it straight. And let's not play off on black people as though black people are just some lazy, tired, shiftless people who don't want anything, don't want to do anything, and aren't willing to do anything. That narrative is also out there. But don't you pick it up because it's it's a lie. There's no way this country could have been here if we were that type of people. We were brought here to build this country and build it we did with expertise. Look at look at the layout of Washington DC. Go ahead. Look at the layout of most of your cities across the United States of America. Look at the uh, 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 the layout, the architectural, uh, 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 the architecture, the monuments that are erected throughout this country. Who do you think put them there? And how do mm-hmm. you think they got there? Who you think was um, um, navigating the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria? Mm-hmm. Aside from rowing it to get there, who you think was navigating those stars so that they could right. reach long before there were maps and charts of trade routes? We had the answer to how to get from point A to point B. Why do you think all civilizations send their people? But, you know, let, let me just stop. Let me stop. I was going to talk about <laughs> Alhambra. I was going to talk about Timbuktu. I was going to talk right. about Alexandria University. But, you know, yes, I'm sir. not going to do it because it's too easy. It's too easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not, I, brother. I, Our children need <laughs> to hear that. They need to hear that, brother. I'm you, glad you, you know, said those beautiful institutions of higher learning. Go right ahead. I don't want yeah. to cut you off. You know, they, they, they make it seem like all we did was run through the uh, 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 the jungle with bones in our nose, you know, shooting uh, 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 darts through uh, hollow to- straws. Mm-mm-mm. And that they were the almighty that came through with technology and civilization. Well, truth be told, who were the ones that were eating their food raw in the caves and hillsides of Europe? It wasn't us. Who were the ones <laughs> oh, who were crawling around on all fours? You know, I'm I, I, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop, brother Yusuf. I'm gonna stop because I feel myself. I feel my blood pressure rise. You know, as the song says. 
temperatures rising. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Well, let me just say this. We're at uh, 5.13 uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen. Feel free to come into the conversation. Brother Rudolph and I are overjoyed that we can share with you what Allah has given to us. You can call in at 563-999-3089 and press 1 on your phone pad to be brought into the studio again. That's 563-999-3089. And so much has been said. I mean, Brother Rudolph and I can bounce off of each other for days to come. And uh, we'd still say, oh, yeah, I forgot to say. So he took us back, time immemorial, and, he gave us Rock Kim, and uh, I'll just say it this way, connecting all the way back in a poetic form. And it says something like this, from the crust of the earth, with his own hands, God created the black woman and man. But that was just the beginning of famous first. For as long as the black family has walked the face of the earth, they proved to possess ingenuity while making our mark in history. And that's black history. The story of our people means a lot to me. Where you came from shouldn't be a mystery. So we thank you for listening as we share a little of what we know about the history that we're sharing uh, today. I know the when the power and the wisdom of God was deposited in a man. And he came by the name of Master Fahd Muhammad. He put the most honorable Elijah Muhammad in the classroom. And he gave what we know of as student enrollment. And the first question that was asked was, who is the original man? The answer, the maker, the owner, the cream of the planet Earth, God of the universe. Who is, not who was, who is. That's you and I, if we understood our history. I know you you, 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 you think like A-F-R-I-C-A, Angola, Zueto, Zimbabwe, Tanzania, <laughs> Zambia, Mozambique, and Botswana. So let us speak about the motherland. I know, I know. Yeah, we can go back. As Brother said, Timbuktu, Mali, ancient Kemet, we can go back there, but the whole earth is ours. Christians say the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Well, who is that talking about? Right. The original man and woman. Because it, could be no, it couldn't be a man without a woman. Huh? Don't get it. Without the womb, don't get it twisted. So just wanted to tie that up. Brother Rudolph, and, and, and by the way, I'm not smart enough to come up with that. We gave Rakim the God uh, a credit for his lyrics. The lyrics I just laid with you, believe it or not, was Run DMC. Believe it or not, was Curtis Blow. Believe it or not, that's a sonic. So we got to give credit where credit is due, but we want to make it applicable just like Brother Vincent W. Julius, to peer into the dark tunnel of history is valueless unless the insight gain is used to light a torch to illuminate 
one's path into the future, quote, unquote. So you know in the 60s, brothers and sisters, there were conflagrations. That's a big name, conflagrations. That just means hell of a fire, big fire, of various proportions occurring on different levels in the 60s. As a result of the assassinations of Minister Malcolm X and the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., the advent of national television news coverage and the urban insurrections, the black professional firefighter began to realize the need to become politically organized. The evolution of a technological society also exposed similar challenges the heroes from heaven were experiencing nationwide. Heretofore, these common issues and concerns had not been revealed to such magnitude. A group of men, supported by their wives and significant others, began formulating ideas that would eventually develop into a meeting of the minds. There was a meeting held in New York City in 1969 that birthed the beginning of a quest for collective empowerment. Its primary action item was to invite personnel throughout the continental U.S. and hold a conference the following year in Hartford, Connecticut. At that historical gathering, these warriors took the initiative to form what would become the International Association of Black Professional Firefighters, known as the IBPFF, affectionately. The founding cities were New York, Jersey City, Newark, New Jersey, Philadelphia, and Hartford, Connecticut. Mm. These pioneers took on the transformation of the Phoenix, emerging from the ashes into the Vulcan society, the gods of fire. The 70s presented more adversity, yet under the direction of President David J. Floyd, retired captain out of New York, he made it mandatory to turn adversity into advantage. This heaven of a hero stood, withstood, acid being thrown in his face, traveled the width and breadth with others of the United States, suffered to get our people organized. He risked his personal promotion through the ranks to keep the fires burning for justice. He engaged in proper networking and fought cities throughout the judicial process to establish court consent decrees. As a gentle giant, he was a soldier for affirmative action, but also believed in economic independence. Dave, as he was affectionately known, became a catalyst and had the courage to set the IABPFF on the right course. Before his passing in 1997, he produced a video documentary entitled Only the Strong Survive. His desire was to use this tool as a fundraiser to establish a camp for youth. This film chronicles the history of the black firefighter and the birth of the IBPFF. Every family should have this brilliant at that time, videotaping their personal library. 
And as the late, great Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune taught, quote, teach it to your children. These mm-hmm. heavenly heroes began to cultivate the field of the fire science in the 1980s, acclaimed positions previously a members-only post for the good old boys network began to be broken down like the walls of Jericho. Promotions occurred on every level, lieutenants, captains, battalion and deputy chiefs, chiefs, and yes, eventually being appointed to commissioners of departments. They were still black in a blue uniform. However, they now wore white shirts and hats. Women also began to break through in record numbers and shattering the myth that they too were less qualified. During this time, Ebony Magazine featured the fruit of their labor, highlighting officers who were in charge with managing and operating major departments. I'm going to stick a pin in it right there, brothers and sisters. I mean, it's just critically important that you know this history because if we don't tell it, as Brother Keith Williams Spike Jones said last week about writing his book, The Fire Within, who's going to tell it? You understand? The youth are looking at us, believe it or not, and they want to know if we don't hold each other accountable, who will? And so, look, brothers and sisters, there's so much I can say. I'm going to give it back to Brother Rudolph as we are at 522 Eastern Standard Time, p.m., of course. And uh, if you desire to come in and have conversation, I thank those of you who are supporting. We thank those of you who are listening uh, to today's program. I got a couple of texts who wanted to know about the quote from Vincent Julius, and, you know, I was able to text them that. So he lives. We live. Brother Rudolph, it's on you. Yes, sir, brother. Thank you, brother. I'm going to say this for all of those that are out there listening that haven't pressed one. You are a recipient of any of this that we have talked about today. Then press one and let your voice be heard. Press one and give whoever their just due and let people know that somebody sacrificed for you to be where you are and paved the way for you to be where you are And now our job is to not pay it back, but to pay it forward. Because we're born into a situation, into a world that we can never repay for what's been done and sacrificed for us. So we live our lives eternally in the red, and we're always or should always be striving to pay it forward and to help someone else achieve something or get to a level like we were helped. And if we do that, if, then that's how we come up out of this thing. So, you know, I'm just throwing that out there for those of you who are out there listening. Um, Right. 
um, you know, will take this um, opportunity. Oh, thank you, Tracy. I'm talking about Tracy Lewis of the New York City Fire Department. She's one of my former partners. Um, We used to work the hazmat truck together uh, out of Cumberland Hospital, downtown Brooklyn. Um, You know, she's a firefighter. Lieutenant. uh, uh, Right, right. Not just a firefighter, a lieutenant. She works in the commissioner's office. Yes. And, and, And... and out of all of that that I said, the most important thing and the proudest part for me is she's my friend. Beautiful. I'm proud to call her friend. And not just her, Regina also, Regina Wilson. That's right. I had the privilege of working with them Um before I retired from the department, and we worked together daily, day by day, because we were working on uh, on that uh, recruitment initiative in the uh, late 2000s, Brother Yusuf, that, mm-hmm. that big push. Um, I think that was like 2000. 2005 through 2009, work, uh, 2010, up in that era. And I, I, I had the privilege of working out of the recruitment unit. So I got to work side by side with them day in and day out. And although I was EMS, I found out we had the same struggles. We had the same oppressor. We we were fighting the same hurdles, and it just made the job um, more endurable and more fun because we had a genuine friendship. So yeah. I, I'm just throwing that out there to all of the New York City Fire Department Bureau of EMS or firefighters, fire alarm dispatchers, uh, fire prevention unit. You do you do a hell of a job on a daily basis, and if nobody else tells you, I want to tell you, thank you, and I appreciate you for all that you do. And that's to firefighters all over the United States. Because to run down that dark hallway <laughs> where that uh, uh, um, that demon is sitting there with that finger telling you to come on, come on, because he wants to devour you, and you put your head down and you march off into that to conquer that flame and to save whoever is in there. That's a hell of a thing. And that's not something that can be taught. Welcome to Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. 
to whom do we have the pleasure of speaking with, and how may we be of service to you? This is your brother, Ron Davis, calling out of Brooklyn, New York. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Wa alaikum salam, sir. Now, this brother right here is one of those, when I told you of those eight that started, he was one of those that soon came right after that eight and has been there since. He and I, <laughs> I'm going to tell the story, Ron. I'm going to tell it, and then I'm going to let you say what you got to say. This mm-hmm. brother and I, Brother Yusuf, we traded the same badge back and forth for all over 20 years. The chief of staff badge. <laughs> yes, sir. Chief of staff and chief operation, yes. Right, right. <laughs> one of us would be one be it one week, and then we would get demoted, and the other one would get it, and we just pass the badge off to the next one. <laughs> Go ahead, Ron. Yes. Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, and, and um, we were talking about. Uh, I, I heard you mention how, you know, over the years, people of color, you know, have been utilized to to create great things, and then have have that stricken from them in some way or another. So I was looking at the Honorable uh, Louis Farrakhan had a had a little workshop and he was talking about white Jesus. He said if you go into Europe, you'll see that Jesus was actually black. But here in our own home, they teach us that he's white to take away from the the strength and the power that we have in people as as people of color. So when we we talk about firefighters and EMTs and and people who respond in these these uh, things like that, uh, we were always taught. We were always taught to 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 take out take what we know learn and and save lives all over the world. That's right. We, we, you, you don't get stuck in Brooklyn. Don't get stuck in in, in in the Bronx. Go beyond that. Take what you learn and help your people build up something that's worthwhile. And um, you know, my brother, you know, it's been a privilege to be mentored by you over thirty years. You know, and me being second generation best, I, that's a big deal now. You know what I mean? Because that legacy oh, that yes, we sir. once started, you know, is still living on because we both have laid the, the ground um, the groundwork. And um, I'm still following your footprints, bro. Oh man, thank you, brother. This brother here has started a program in Brooklyn where called Med Troop, where he's mentoring and helping that next generation, whatever it is, whether they need tutoring in school, whether they need supplies for school, whether they need a a meal to eat, they need a big brother to just talk to, they need someone to pull their coattail, that brother Ron Davis, he's there to do that. And he, he, he has been recognized, thank God, his years of hard work by the city council and the borough president's office, and more so than that, by the very ones that he's been trying to help. He has gotten some of them out of high school, into college, onto good-paying jobs that they could now sustain themselves and their families now. And so hats off to you, Ron, for all that you yes, do. Sir. 
That's right. I appreciate you, bro. You know, like I said, you know, the vision from Pops was to, for us to take what little we knew as people of color because we couldn't even get into the fire department without some kind of affiliation with, a, with an organization, like a, a volunteer right. ambulance service. So for us right. to be able to take that little small trailer on Green Avenue and make it into something great is really special. But, you know, like you said, I, I, I've gotten my small little tokens, you know, that make it worthwhile, you know, to be recognized in my own community as a community cornerstone by by a city council and borough president and things like that. That's that's a big deal, you know. Yes, but it is. more importantly, yes, it is. to be able to help out, we able to put the help where the hurt is, as we used to say, by training our young adults and uh, giving them some vocational training that they can use to, to, to as a job resource. You know, job readiness training, um, training them CPR first aid, EKG, phlebotomy, patient care technician courses. You know, we, we want them to be able to be self-sufficient moving forward, especially in these times. So, right. you know, every That's little right. bit we do and to help each other is is a is another yard or, or a football field, you know, for someone else. That's right. Beautiful. That's right. Beautiful. Well, so, I... Welcome right. to Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. To whom do we have the pleasure of speaking to, and how may we be of service to you? Well, Brother Rudolph, you've helped me for the past, I would say, 34 years of my life. Mm-hmm. Ah. Oh, ah. I know who this is. This is the Trauma <laughs> King, the Trauma King of Bedside, Brooklyn. Yeah, this young man right here used to ride on the A train robbing people. I'm telling it. I'm just a special oh, limitation. You can't go to jail. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Used to pick people's pockets on the train, you know. Oh. But now he's saving lives in the community and teaching others to save lives. This is James Point. Man. Yes, and I also want to let you know something. I got I got the bag now. You I said you got you my bag. the bags around. I got the bag now. <laughs> the bag has been passed to me. Well, congratulations! I know the eagles done fell off of it. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's only a, it's only a half a star left. I'll be holding it up with, with you know with duct tape and glue, but it's there. Oh though. man! But um, nah, I called them because um, you know I've, I've been listening um since you guys came on the air, and you know once you started talking about our late great um founder uh, James Rocky Robinson, you know I, I appreciate the fact that you are are acknowledging all the good deeds that he has done for not only you but for me and for everyone else that he trained. A lot of Beautiful. people don't really understand how it was to be a bedside volley. Like I was right. just literally sitting in the I was just sitting in the office uh the other day and I was talking to some new volunteers and they were saying it was too hot in here and that the heat was on and it was too hot. And then I just you know, I just went into over I said, I remember when we didn't have heat. I remember when we had to sit here and dispatch with blankets on. And, and we were doing a, a bus under one comforter. 
Right. You understand? Like, I, I, I tell people, like, they, a lot of them, you know, they, they, they come here and they, you know, they get the education and the knowledge, but then they don't understand the struggle that it took for us to be in this trailer and for us to have working ambulances and actually have working equipment. Like, you know, we will have, have a bathroom. Uh, an actual bathroom that you can use. Right, a you working know, bathroom, really, not a bucket and a shovel. You remember the days once you, once you turned the ambulance <laughs> on, you couldn't turn it off. Right. Where you turned right. that ambulance off, that was where the ambulance stayed for the night. <laughs> oh, so, man. You know, but the, all the sacrifices that that man, is, that man made all the years that he was in charge of this organization – it, it really shows that if you believe in something, you can you can achieve it. It doesn't matter what anybody say. You started from the bottom, now we're here. And oh, yeah. one man does make a difference. It only right. takes I, one person to stand up. And you know, and I appreciate people like yourself. You know, we're not going to get into the horror stories of <laughs> <laughs> as a kid. But, you know what, I appreciate you, and, you know, I heard Ron was on earlier. You know, me and Ron still here. We still we still got the torch lit. We still, you know, keeping the doors open. And keeping I appreciate the that. And whatnot. You understand? But we also got to give you, we got to give you your due credit. You know what I mean? Because you was our mentor. You know, no, you my uncle and everything, but at the end of the day, you know, you taught me this is what you need to do. And you were hard on me as a kid. You were hard on me as a young adult. And I always wondered why, 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 why. But now, sitting in the same that you was in, and I see, I, I, I got to apologize. Like, you know, I got to apologize for the hard, you know, <laughs> that you because I see the reason why. You, know, you did it. But, you know, I do appreciate it. And I also appreciate what you brothers are doing on the radio. I know I, I don't call in a lot, but I try as much as I can if I'm not at work to listen and all the information and the resources and, and the knowledge that you guys are given, it's 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 amazing. Well, well thank you. So, I, I appreciate you guys, but I'm gonna have to slide out of here because you know I got a, a dispatch class to teach in a few minutes. Yes, so I just want to come on and, and and give you know knowledge and praise for the things that you guys are doing also to give recognition to our late great founder, uh, James Rocky Robinson. Yes, sir. Beautiful. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. Go ahead and teach them volleys. Impress upon them and let them know they owe. They owe. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Brother Yusuf. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, thank you, brother, for calling in and bearing witness, brother, because, um, you know, you know firsthand the sacrifice of Brother James Rocky Robinson, Brother Rudolph, and those that were named earlier that Brother Rudolph lifted up. And thank you, brother. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Brother Ron, for calling in. Thank you, Sister Tracy, for all that you do, Sister Lieutenant yeah. Tracy Lewis. And that's what I really want to do right now is use this opportunity to lift up the black women in the fire service. When you yes, talk sir. about Chief Rosemary Cloud of East Point, Georgia, she's retired, but she was the first black woman to be promoted to a major city chief over the department. Then you talk about others like um, uh, our dear sister, 
Sister Annette, Commissioner Annette Nance Holt over Chicago as we mm. speak. You know, and all roads lead to Chicago for the crowning event of Black History Month on That's February right. 24th through the 26th. But there's a sister who oversees the fire department and the paramedic, the EMS department, Sister Commissioner Annette Nance Holt. We got Sister Teresa Reed. Retired out of Oakland for her contribution. We had a sister, Jeannie Fry, over McCombs, Mississippi. But you know, being a black woman over Mississippi, she didn't last long. But praise God that she took the initiative to want right. to be that. Chief Tony right. Washington, who's the longest uh, current chief black woman over a city, Decatur, Georgia. Shout out to Chief, uh, chief Tony Washington. Uh, can't call a name right now, but there's a chief over Portland, Oregon. There's a chief over black woman, chief over Tampa, Florida, black chief over Prince George County, Sharon Green. I can call her name. Sister Tiffany Wesley, she's not over the department, but she's well recognized by the chiefs all over the country and all over the world. In fact, speaking of all over the world, a friend of Sister Tracy's and a friend of mine, Sister District Chief uh, Aparocho, Pam, Pamela Aparocho. She's a district chief in London. Shout out to Sister Pam Oparocho. And our dear sister, I can't call her name, in Ghana. You know, she came over to the Dr. Carl Holmes Executive Development Institute and she's over in Ghana doing her thing uh, now. Her brother came over, too, Brother Charles. And, you know, shout out to, uh, yeah, I said Tiffany Green. I hope I said Prince George County. Hope I got that right. Uh, then um, thank you, Brother Chief Bobby. Uh, uh, it's just It's just such a beautiful thing to be able to lift those sisters up, knowing what they went through. Uh, Battalion yes, Chief Lisa Forrest, who's also the president of the Valiants in Philadelphia. Uh, Sister Commissioner Teresa Staples out of Denver, Colorado. Sister Teresa Everett out of, uh, I believe she's back in Rochester, New York. But, you know, she's been everywhere from Florida to uh, uh, Indiana to Baltimore now in Rochester. Shout out to all the sisters who've been able to uh, matriculate through this thing we call the fire service in America. You know, I wrote that in the 1990s, it saw our women being promoted in record number despite discrimination being at an all-time high. Too often from our own. Yeah, you heard me. Some right. of the same cities where the rebellion occurred in the 1960s now have blacks running them. At that time, the beginning of the millennium, Brother Lloyd Ayers over Philadelphia, Brother uh, Patin, Zaid, Brother Z over North, Atlanta, uh, uh, Winston Minor, Birmingham, uh, Ray Brooks, these are all chiefs, New Orleans. Our dear brother Charles Parent, St. Louis, Chief Sherman George, San Francisco, Robert the Chief Demons, 
are examples. Thanks to the vision of fire management consultant who retired as an assistant chief of Oklahoma City's fire department, Dr. Carl Holmes, the IBPFF conducts its Executive Development Institute annually at a historical black college. It's been at Dillard University, that where it is currently. It, it's been at Clark Atlanta. It's also started in uh, FAMU in Tallahassee, Florida. This Hall of Academia has been admired by the National Fire Academy and others for its curriculum and proven track record. In 1995, over 300 members assisted the medical uh, emergency medical services in Washington, D.C. at That's the right. unforgettable Million Man March. Yes, just sir. north at that time of Interstate 95 in Landover was the national headquarters, Landover, Maryland, of the IBPFF. And uh, I wrote then today the IBPFF has thousands of members, and is proud to claim membership from Alaska, Nova Scotia, Canada, Barbados, St. Lucia, Ghana, West Africa, just to name a few, and, of course, uh, London, the U.K., and other parts of the diaspora have shown interest as well. So I concluded this article uh, entitled A Heaven of a Hero by saying, so one need not go any further than the nearest firehouse in the neighborhood to see a living legend the black firefighter, a hero from heaven in the midst of hell, fighting fires from within and without, fighting fires personally, professionally, and politically. Their next call could be their final call. Shout out to my brother-in-law who died in the line of duty February 24th, 1993. Shout out to all those who perished, but of course, we, we, we talk about all our sons, the 12 brothers who died 9-11 at the World Trade Center. So yes, the next sir. time you hear a siren on the way to a state of emergency, know for surety there is a heaven of a hero responding to the alarm, or at least, hopefully, the current sociopolitical atmosphere has reduced personnel. As Brother Rudolph just bore witness, he worked uh, in recruitment at, during that time. For instance, the fire department of New York's personnel has less than 400 blacks in an organization of approximately 12,000 members. Unfortunately, many of the young black professional firefighters don't seem to know on whose wings they fly. And yeah. some of the officers have forgotten when they were not even permitted to get on the runway. As the poet Gil Scott Heron would say, we've got selective amnesia, remembering what we want to remember and choosing to forget what we want to forget. Let's make this first Black History Month of the new millennium an attempt to teach our young people. For those of us a minute older, let us rededicate ourselves in the name of what is right. As renowned historian Dr. John Henry Clark would exhort, quote, history is a clock 
that tells the time of day, unquote. Do you know what time it is? It's time to tell the next black firefighter you encounter. You appreciate not only what they do, but what they have done. As young people say, quote, unquote, act like you know. You have encountered not just a hell of a guy or gal, a heaven of a hero, unquote. And as I was sharing with Brother Rudolph and uh, our our dear engineer, Brother Forrest, you know, they made me go into the archives, and I found this article, and I put my name on it, but I had to look at it and say, Lord, I wrote this? But we thank (laughs) Almighty God a lot for, for the pen he gave me at that time because I thought it would be appropriate as uh, we enter into the last 10 minutes of this week's program. We hope you've enjoyed it. It's not over. we got 10 more minutes, so if you press 1 on your phone pad, you certainly can come into the queue, but I'll pass it on to you, Brother Rudolph, and we can close out as the law sees fit. Yes, sir. Man, man, my God, my God. Oh, man. All I can say to that is, oh, man, we 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 think about the Negro national anthem mm-hmm. and the words to it. Now, of course, you know when James Weldon Johnson wrote it. Okay, June seventeenth, eighteen seventy-one to June 26, 1938, 1938, um, when he wrote Black Moon Radio presents the... Think about what was going through, what was going on at the time. Welcome to Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. To whom do we have the pleasure of speaking, and how may we be of service to you? This is Dave Washington. <laughs> the great chief, Dave Washington. <laughs> man, you brothers set it on fire today. Y'all set it on fire, man. We cannot forget our ancestors, man. And I know you call right. some of the brothers still alive, man, but the bottom line is, if I can real quickly, these brothers, we can't, they're historical figures, and I know everybody don't remember some of the names I might quickly call off. A.D. Bell, Gerald Simon, Fire Chief. You already mentioned Winston, Winston Minor, Firefighter Perry, Crystal Gold, certainly Dr. Holmes, Danny Williams out of Philly, Carla Blue, Nathan Queens, who did a lot of work for us in D.C. Sir, These brothers and sisters did a lot of work for our organization. Sherman George out of Oklahoma City, Big Joe Jones, James Dixon out of L.A. County, Bobby Dixon out of Mel Peters. But y'all called some names off, brothers. Y'all was making my heart feel good because we cannot forget these folks, man, because of the work that they did. Outstanding show, y'all, and I'm going to continue listening, try to catch y'all every Friday because y'all blow it up. Thank y'all so much. Thank you, Chief. Man. Thank you, Chief. And we heard your show, too. you doing your thing. We're doing your That's thing. Right. we got to promote your show as well, brother. That's right. You're doing what you do. Well, you one, had Chief uh, Spike on. That was great. Yeah, one, one thing I want to do is I'm going to get you brothers on my show. My show is taped. It's called Veterans Affairs Plus. 
I put the plus in it so I can talk about any damn thing I want to talk about that's pretty to our people. I'm telling y'all, man, y'all kill it, man. So keep doing what you're doing. I hope God continue to bless both of you brothers with good health so you can keep sharing the information. And y'all got my my wife just piling up water and this, that, the other, because you got to be prepared for the disaster that may come your way. <laughs> Yes, love you, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. Love you too, Chief. Love you too, Chief. Thank you, sir, for calling in. God bless you and your family. Please give them the greetings on our behalf. I also want to say I want to thank those who are, you know, behind the sycamore tree feeding us. I I did mention Sister Chief Tiffany Green, who's a a protege of uh, Chief Carla Blue. May God be pleased with her over Prince George's County, and uh, Sister Sarah Boone is the fire chief of Portland, Oregon. So I want to thank Chief Bobby Pearson for shooting us that intel. Just love our audience, Brother Rudolph, because most of them are subject matter experts personified. You know what I mean? It's easy. And for those who don't know, uh, the brother who just called in, Chief David Washington, former chief of the Los Angeles, excuse me, Las Vegas, uh, Nevada Fire Service, Fire and Rescue uh, Department. Brother's definitely a groundbreaker, a pioneer himself, a living legend. And I don't know, it may have been because of technical or we may have said something over him, but we just lost a strong soldier out of L.A. County, our dear brother Herschel Walker. Did I say Herschel Walker? Get it right. Ain't Herschel Walker the dude that ran for um, Herschel <laughs> Clady. <laughs> and thank you, Chief. Charge it to my head and not to my heart, Herschel Walker. No, I understand, no, man. Put... Go ahead, Chief. Yeah, Herschel was quite the warrior, man. And call... In fact, That's I call right. him a superhero. It is my intent to God willing, and as they say in the creek, don't rise. I plan to be present for his services uh, on next Tuesday. But uh, and I'll be there representing EDI, brother. So know that EDI Thank will be you. in the house. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, please sir. give everybody our best brother, regards. Brother, we'll do. But brother Rudolph, I, I learned so much more about you today, man. It, it, it. Oh, oh, brother, man, man, I'm just, I'm just humbled and I'm just grateful, brother, because brother, you, you know you, these brothers they paved the way for me. Brother, but doing the work you did as a volunteer before going on to make money, that is that is admirable, brother. Don't a lot of folks do that, black or white. Well, God bless you. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. Hey, got me choked up, brother. You and me both, brother. Think about my father, man. I can hear his voice mm-hmm. in my head right now. <laughs> yes, sir. Man. <laughs> Y'all keep doing that great work, though. Keep doing it. Thank you, Chief. You as well. Yes, yes sir. Thank you, Chief. Be talking to you soon. And uh, All right, bro. Yeah. Uh, you know, me and Brother Rudolph been rocking together for a few decades Man. now. And, right, uh, right. For a couple of years. I'm learning about him, too. I'm, I'm learning about him, too, Chief Dave. Trust and believe, even in listening to today's show and Knowing, mm-hmm. you know, I had the opportunity of meeting his father, such a beautiful personality in addition to being a warrior. And uh, yeah. Brother Rudolph reminds me so much of him. I mean, mm-hmm. his humor, his energy, 
Uh, I didn't know he was the DJ scratching records with with Melly Mel, <laughs> you know, back in the day. But yes, right. the, the, the Warriors in my circle before I even met his father, uh, when I mentioned his name, they were telling me, "What? You don't know, brother? That brother broke ground, brother, when he came out with that." Bedstar Volunteer Ambulance Corps, brother. The, the, the black organizations all over the country gave him respect for stepping right. out and doing what he did, That's keeping right. the fires burning for justice, and knowing that the humility of the man, just like Brother Rudolph, they don't say it, but it's written all in their forehead, Brother Chief Washington. All that I am, I owe. I live eternally oh, in the red. That's right. Yes, brother, yes, yes. I'm going to please send me, send me information on Brother Rudolph's father because I want to talk about that on my show because one thing that people got to learn, man, you do from wherever you are. You don't wait when I got to have the highest rank to do anything. And that's something I learned from Hershey. If you're going to get mm-hmm. busy, get busy, stand up and be a man, be counted. You ain't got to be the chief. You can be a firefighter and make things happen. And I'm that's watching right. That's right. Yes, sir. I love y'all, man. And love you too, Chief. Love you more, Chief. Yeah. Well, Brother Rudolph, we made it to the end, black man. We had 558. Yes, and uh, I'm just going to say I'm eternally grateful, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, for uh, you allowing me and us to serve you in the capacity in which God is ordering our steps and making firm our feet. We encourage you to share the information of this program with your network, your database, that we can broaden and put our people in tune with the importance of disaster awareness for community preparedness. It's such a joy to hear Dave Washington say his wife is moving towards that, getting all the necessary supplies, because check this out. We can say COVID-19, the pandemic was pestilence, but after pestilence comes famine. And so right. you look up the word famine. And then you mm. tell us, is it not important to stock our shelves very quick? Because as you see, when you go out as a consumer, the shelves are getting scarce and scarce. And I don't know if that's grammatically correct or if the word is scarcer or scarcer. But that's how they get <laughs> And y'all can bear witness to it. So thank it's you for tuning in to another weekly edition of Disaster Awareness for Community Preparedness. Lord willing, we'll see you same time, same station, and I'll let Brother Rudolph close us out. As Brother Chief Washington said, we love you, and ain't a darn thing you can do about it. Brother Rudolph? Yes, sir. Well, I'm going to close it, brother, the way we opened it. You know, these words, lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of a new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. Now, everybody knows that stanza, but what about this one? Stony the road we trod, bitter the chastening rod.
felt in the days when hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers sighed? We have come over a way that with tears have been watered. We have come trending our path through the blood of the slaughtered. Out from the gloomy past, till now we stand at last where the white gleam of our bright star has cast. May Allah God bless each and every one of you and keep you until this time again next week where we will, if it be the will of God, be broadcasting live from the crowning event of Black History Month. Savior's Day in Chicago, Illinois. Thank you, and may God bless each and every one of you and your families. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam, sir.
you know my living
With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.